Well, hello and welcome to the One Thing Podcast brought to you by the Horton Group. We're at the Horton Group. We specialize in insurance, employee benefits, and risk advisory. And I'm your host, Jason Helfer. We are excited today to have as a guest, President and CEO of NARP, John Barth. How are you, John? I'm doing great, Jason. Thanks for having me on. We're good. Good. John, I was at a an all-day training and development um, session yesterday, and I, I think we've all been through some of those where they <laughs> they go okay, but they last a long time. And uh, this one went pretty well, and I'll share with you why, John. We had a guest um, that's a, a good friend of our agency, a good friend of myself, uh, Michael Lasso, and Michael is a communications coach. And what Michael does is helps us as leaders, it could be a nonprofit, for-profit, even parents, uh, brothers, sisters, wherever it may be, learn to communicate better with each other. Because we all know if you can't communicate with people, you're going to have a hard time doing anything probably really well in this world, personally or professionally. And we were going around the room and we were sharing with Michael goals and expectations we have on a personal or professional level. And people kept saying, you know, I, I just want to hit this revenue number, or I, I just want to do this, or I just want to do this. And he stopped the group and he said, team, why do we keep saying just? Hmm. Like, why just? I, mean, I, I get it. You want to just reach more people or, or just, you know, hire more employees or be just a better employer of choice. But what, what's with the self-limiting belief? He said, what we should do is eliminate just from our vocabulary when it comes to our own personal and professional development. And on, on the way home, John, I had time to reflect on that. And it made me think of the nonprofit community. And it made me think of agencies like Inar, for example, because I don't know any high-performing agencies, or at least that I have been listening to, that use just very often. What they do is tend to shatter expectations. You know, like you don't want to just be a good agency for your members. You don't want to just be good for, you know, your constituents, which is important. What I always thought it interesting, the nonprofits seem to do a much better job of shattering expectations from my experience. And so, John, for the people that maybe are listening to you that aren't familiar with NRF, maybe they're from Wisconsin or Iowa or Michigan or Illinois, they don't know you as much. How did you and your agency get to where you are today? Because my guess is you didn't do it by just saying just all the time. I think that's a really great way of phrasing it. And I think that people do put qualifiers in their language a lot about uh, achieving uh, something, uh, whether it's just or some other component of a phrase that uh, minimizes what they're trying to do when in fact they're trying to do something pretty dramatic. And you gave a few examples there. And hitting sales targets or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Um, but for us, we're often, uh, hitting, um, uh, the ball as far as we possibly can because our membership, uh, needs us to like mm -hmm. their expectations of us, uh, are very high. And, uh, it's because the people we serve, uh, uh the people our members serve people with intellectual and developmental disabilities have high needs. And so the members that we serve, uh, need us to hit the ball out of the park every time mm -hmm. to make sure they have the resources they need to be successful. And a great example of that is uh, in the 21 um, session of the Indiana General Assembly, um, 
we were able to get a 14% increase in the rates paid uh, for certain services. And the intent there to get that money to our members um, wasn't for margin. It wasn't for anything other than to pass those dollars through and pay for the direct service providers um, that our members uh, employ to serve people with disabilities. And uh, we couldn't fail in that instance because mm-hmm. uh, of the cratering of the employment market, um, uh, among other things, uh, we had to have those resources to ensure the services and supports were being delivered. So I think your, your point is right. The nonprofit sector, um, nonprofit doesn't mean lower expectations. Uh, nonprofit means you're mission oriented. And so if anything, uh, there's higher expectations because sure. the outcome of your work is benefiting people who most need it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree. And and John, how did you um, rise to president and CEO of, of the agency itself? Well, I've been working in and around the Indiana Medicaid program for well over 20 years now. I um, spent time working uh, directly for the agency, for the Office of Medicaid Policy and Planning, um, running the managed care division. Um, and starting uh, big programs that now uh, serve the majority of uh, eligibles for Medicaid in Indiana. I spent time working for a large for-profit Medicaid uh, health plan uh, called Centene uh, uh, for 12 years, being COO there, and um, eventually got to the point where I really wanted to spend more time uh, almost in alignment with your question earlier in the nonprofit sector, because that's where I, it seems to me there's the opportunity to more directly and impactfully serve people who most need mm-hmm. uh, the benefits of uh, low income healthcare and publicly supported healthcare, which is a mission for me uh, in life. Uh, and so having the opportunity to do that was what I was seeking, uh, especially in the nonprofit realm. And uh, things just aligned uh, perfectly to, to have the opportunity to come here and take my past experience and apply it uh, at NRF. Well, good. Well, that's we are glad to have your leadership and so is uh, the community at large. And you mentioned that one of the things that NRF has been, um, I guess, charged with either by your membership or your own personal ambition was to, you know, work on the rate structure, the rate reimbursements. And you mentioned 14 percent, which is which is phenomenal. Uh, what are some of the other projects right now that NRF is working on uh, that you want people to know about? So there's a there's a number of things. The. We're in a very unique time in that the American Rescue Plan Act, APRA, has put opportunities on the table that are transformative and historic in nature. Uh, Opportunities to invest in the industry and in services and supports to people with disabilities that uh, we have dreamt of but never had the resources to do. Uh, So... We have been spending a lot of time working closely with Indiana regulators to propose ideas for how to best spend those dollars. Um, And there's two sides to that coin. The first is um, just direct relief because the impact of the um, pandemic has been uh, significant on our members, as you can imagine, and um, what they need to do day in and day out, uh, plus the height of the lockdown, the the need for them to invest in technology and PPE, among other things. So that happened. We're happy with that additional uh, support for our industry in form of direct um, uh, grant process that the state did in, in consultation with us. 
Um, but now we're moving into another phase, and that phase is really how do you use these APRA resources to advance the industry and really think about opportunities to best serve uh, individuals uh, with disabilities and their families. And so what we've been working with regulators on more recently has to do there, – there's two components. One especially is um, employment of people with disabilities uh, and what innovation opportunities are there. But also, and one of the biggest issues that we face as an industry is uh, attracting and retaining those direct service providers I mentioned earlier, DSPs, and how can our industry be more thoughtful, creative, uh, forward-thinking um, in a way that really uh, makes a career path in an um, environment and in an industry that those uh, potential employees uh, would want to commit to for the long term. Okay. Well, transformative and historic are uh, very light words, and so I think the, the right. And I think that's the. But I love I love hearing that because it's something that you believe, and you believe in its purpose and its mission and its ability to to reach individuals on a, a personal level. And and I love that. And you mentioned innovation, and so Henry Ford once said, if the general, if I asked the general public what they want. They would say, I want a faster horse, right? And so that wouldn't have been true innovation. And so when you say innov innovation, is this innovation mentioned in some of the public? Is this more around the social enterprise angle? Or what type of innovation, John, are you referring to here? So let's, let's think about it in two, in two ways. The, um, in using those two examples that I just cited, the one is employment of people with disabilities. And the second is attracting and retaining uh, employees for the industry to be able to deliver those services, right? So on the employment of people with disabilities, the state in conjunction with us has been thinking hard about, all right, what does the future look like? Because this situation where we are uh, currently, where we have people with disabilities who are an untapped resource uh, to um, be more involved in the employment market, right? Folks who have historically been marginalized and have had a very high unemployment rate, upwards of 70% uh, and even higher, I've seen numbers. Mm -hmm. But now we have a situation where employers are screaming for opportunity to uh, hire people and to retain them. So part of what is coming up um, with these APRA dollars is the, the state of Indiana putting forward a grant program oriented around what they're calling innovation grants. And those uh, innovation grants are intended, the way I'm describing it is anything you've ever, as an agency, serving people with disabilities, you've probably had great ideas for years, but you've never had the resources to do them. Now is the time when the state is going to put out these grant opportunities via the APRA allotment to take the time and really invest in those things. So there's all kinds of ways that members of our association are thinking about going. But let me give you uh, an example. There's a member of ours called Opportunity Enterprises up in the northwestern uh, part of, of Indiana. And the CEO there happens to have come to being the CEO of what we call OE, Opportunity Enterprises, by via the scrap metal recycling industry, right? So complete, a complete left turn. Sure. But that also gives him insight and perspective that is not widely available in our industry. And so what he has done is started to really think hard about 
okay, what are the opportunities to blend these two worlds? And so he has been talking to his former colleagues and saying, "There's a you have a high need for employees. I have people who want to work, but mm-hmm. who have been denied that opportunity. Let's rethink what the job is that you have and how it's done so we can apply the um, uh, high level of interest of the folks he serves with disabilities to alleviate your staffing needs and uh, do some uh, positive work by ensuring that people with disabilities have access to jobs they've never had access to before, right? Uh, And so, in in fact, uh, he is presenting this concept all around the country at uh, Scrap Industry um, Association um, uh, conferences. So that's that's what I mean. What 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 left turn opportunity or what um, unexpected opportunity? What thing has our agencies wanted to do but didn't have the resources? So that's already happening um, based on his existing relationships. But now the state will be putting out grant opportunities to really just um, pursue those ideas left and right. So another quick example is um, this is something that's been tried before, but not so much in Indiana. One of our members are considering seeking a grant to how can you have a ongoing training opportunity for people with disabilities um, and meet a community need in the community where they are, where there's no cafes, there's no uh, place, there's no community third space, there's no opportunity uh, for people to come together and meet because uh, for a variety of reasons. And so they want to launch a cafe that would A, be a training site for folks uh, they serve, but also meet the needs of the community. So there's lots of opportunities um, out there. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking forward to seeing now that this money will be available, does that unlock uh, unique creative uh, thoughts that haven't had the opportunity to flourish in the past? Um, now, if you, I, I, the other component is employment of DSPs an hour uh, for our agencies. They need uh, to employ uh, direct service providers, DSPs to be able to do this work, right? You can't execute on this vision unless you have the employees. And so there, there's some, because of the cratering of the employment market, um, we uh, at NRF have had the opportunity to work with something called CICP, which is the Central Indiana Corporate Partnership which is a coming together of all the central Indiana large employers like the the, uh, the Lilies uh, and Cummins of the world. But they fund a entity within uh, Central Indiana Corporate Partnership or CICP to work to alleviate their own staffing problems. But they're also worried about what happens to a large group of people who graduate high school, but because of the... Um, cratering of the employment market, they've never gotten tuned into an industry or mm-hmm. the industry they historically, maybe their family always worked for Chrysler and now Chrysler is gone. How do you tune them in um, and get them connected to an industry? And they are working with us to say, okay, there's a large degree of central Indiana high school graduates who have never tuned into an industry. We think what you offer our industry, uh, the industry of people serving mm-hmm. people with disabilities can be a match because a we serve we can provide a mission and a clear um, uh, opportunity for folks who want to do that kind of work, and b um, if they work with us and create a, um, a career path that we can sell to these employees, we can retain them for the long term and in this churning that's happening out there in the employment market. 
So we're in the middle, uh, really just kicking off working with Central Indiana Corporate Partnership on that now. But that's the other side of the coin, right? You can't do the innovation unless you have the employees. And so from an NR perspective, we're trying to work at this higher level to uh, um, uh, think through what can we do to make this pipeline of employees uh, more um, consistent and more tuned into sticking with our members for the long term. Yeah, that that's... Um... That's fascinating. I think in a, in a way, you're almost changing or recreating or, or putting a, a twist on the role of a DSP, I, right? I, I, I think about it. And so to your point about taking a, a, not, not so much a left turn, maybe a, a pivot, right? I think in the traditional sense, we think of DSPs maybe in a, in a home on a silo or something, you know, that's traditional. I think here, if you're working with a, a Lilly or a, a steel enterprise, as you mentioned, those two examples, OE for one, the role of the DSP is going to have to change a little bit. It's it's really trying to match what the benefit of having the opportunity to work with the Central Indiana Corporate Partnership in their 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 section that does this called Ascend is that they have done all this work on what does a labor market look like, what does a high school graduation look like, how many people have graduated with a waiver rather than a degree, and then. To say, we think in our, that is your target audience toward these entry level positions. But having a target audience isn't good enough because you can attract them, but it doesn't mean they're going to stay. That's so, true. what do you want to offer to them and to our industry as a long term strategy to make them feel committed to the industry? So, two pieces one, mission orientation, mm-hmm. and two, a career path. So, to your point, it, it is the traditional job in, in many ways. But also, if you can articulate a clear, if you are here this long, you have this opportunity to advance. If you are here this long and gain these skills, potentially you could get paid more. So you're giving someone a vision that they could have a career and then a reason to stick with a certain agency or a certain um, industry. And that's what we're trying to figure out. And so this time, as I mentioned earlier, of incredible challenge matched by the opportunity that these uh, APRA dollars have provided to us uh, has given us a lot to think through and a, and a lot to do. It's, it's, an, it's an exciting time, uh, but also a time of a lot of, a lot of challenge, a lot of um, uh, careful thinking. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, but I love this. I love the spirit of it. I love the intent of it. Um, I could see why it would be, it can be, have a huge impact for all the, the right reasons as you, you outlined so gratefully. And you mentioned that the innovation grants, and I, you, if I'm wrong, it sounds like you're referring them to in a future tense. Did I get future that correct? Tense. Okay. Yeah, we, we anticipate uh, that being re- released probably in early May. So that's, at, at this point, we have advised the state and we're hoping, um, these look the way I describe them, but I, th- I think they largely will based on an informal input I've gotten. Okay. And to your, I guess it's a feeling, you feel that most providers in the state of Indiana are aware of them, the opportunity for them? In uh, our members are, we have, um, <laughs> Good answer. Uh, Good answer. <laughs> there's a pitch, uh, anyone listening in Indiana who's not an NRF member, uh, <laughs> we have, uh, we have, uh, uh, shared this with our membership broadly and, um, work closely with the state on it, but they haven't released it in the, in the broadest possible sense. Um, but within the association, we certainly have communicated. Okay. Yeah, and so that's a good question. I, I brought it up, and and so for those into so for those agencies out there or um, providers of other services to the, the the community at large, how does somebody get in touch with NARF if they wanted to become a member? 
Yeah, um, we we um, uh, are constantly working hard um, on behalf of this industry and pushing out a lot of uh, information and working carefully with the, with the state on the priorities of, of our members. And uh, the best way to connect with us to learn more about that is uh, through emailing me, which is just uh, simply John at nrf.org. Okay. Easy enough. Easy no. enough. <laughs> uh, and before we before we sign off, is there, we've covered a, a couple really impactful and important things that I'm glad you're able to share some insight on there. Anything else you want people to learn or know about NARF that is appropriate, timely, what's in the future? And so even if, you have, if there's nothing additional there, but maybe you're, I love the lens and perspective of high-performing CEOs in the nonprofit space. They generally see things, not differently, maybe before others. And so if you're a prognosticator or you know, future vision guy, what are you, what are you seeing out there? I, I think the opportunity, as I mentioned, this sort of um, unprecedented investment in uh, our industry and in people with disabilities from the state via the APRA dollars is uh, so unique and it's such a um, rare opportunity that one of the things we're trying to do the best job we can of is taking a partnership orientation towards in, – in Indiana, we have a, a great – in long-term partnership with the ARC of Indiana. And um, also we have a long um, history of working closely with the state to work together to come to the best conclusion of what, what will be um, benefiting uh, the industry and supporting the, the industry to, to, to provide services and supports. Um, and so I think having these partnerships and aligning um, around achieving these goals and employment's the example we've been using today, but um, there's so many silos in government-supported uh, healthcare that this moment in time is giving us this unique opportunity to really have everybody pulling from the same end of the rope. So, from a regulatory perspective, from a family advocacy perspective, from a provider advocacy perspective, everyone being on the same page with the overall goal of employment and thinking about mm-hmm. employment in new and different ways is really unique and uh, uh, those partnerships are really uh, being strengthened. And um, uh, I'm hopeful that through these innovation grants, that basis will really help us do uh, some pretty neat things going forward. Okay. Well, it certainly sounds like there's a, a good plan in place. And I think the uh, state of Indiana can be confident with leaders like you at the helm. I think we've got a pretty good chance of making some some really good things happen. Um, so, John, I wanted to say thank you for sharing your time with us this morning. I know it's important. Um, thank you for sharing your insight and advice to the community at large. I uh, appreciate your leadership. Uh, and so on behalf of the Horton Group, I'm Jason Helford saying thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the One Thing Podcast. <laughs>